my goodness, guys, you all are not going to believe how awesome this interview is with Matt Ham. You are going to love it. We talk about everything from how he started his speaking career to how he gets engagement. And trust me, it's not the way you think. Tune in. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. All right. Hey, guys. Today we have with us Matt Ham. He's an accomplished speaker, author, and small business owner. He's the founder of Uprint, a masterful storyteller, and just an all-around awesome speaker. So we're going to be talking to Matt about balancing your faith with your speaking business and running a business that has a speaking arm to it. And I know you all are going to get a lot out of this. So Matt, welcome to Speak Your Way to Cash. Ashley, what's happening? (laughs) <laughs> What's happening? Um, for those of you guys who don't know, I actually met Matt while doing my TEDx McHenry talk. He was one of the speakers and he's just a captivating storyteller. And as a speaker, I can't help it. Whenever I watch people speak, I'm always looking to see what I can gain from them and or how I feel during the presentation. I'm very conscious of all of that. And Matt really is a rock star at storytelling. So I'm honored to be speaking to him today. Listen, friend, I, uh, man, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. I, I just, uh, I always tell folks, I'm like, I'm going to hire you to go on the road. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because thank you so much. That's so generous of you. And uh, what a pleasure just to be speaking with you and your audience today. Definitely. So Matt, what is it that you do currently? Tell us a little bit about your business and kind of what led you to having a speaking arm to that business and how that works. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a wild journey. I mean, it's been um, many, many years in the making, but the short of it is, is we... And I say we, I have a business partner. His name's Kevin Adams. Uh, Kevin is a Zondervan published author, wrote a book called The Extravagant Fool. Um, Beautiful. uh, Just he's such a great writer. He has the capacity just to draw metaphors and stories through his words. And of course, that's why Zondervan picked it up. And um, Kevin and I met a few years ago, but we have formed a faith and personal development organization um, called Uprint. And the idea for us is that God leaves his fingerprints on the world through ours. And so it's faith and personal development because we see a challenge in culture today where faith hangs out in this camp over here and they call it church mm-hmm. and business hangs out over in this camp and they call it personal development. And we believe that you cannot do one without the other. You cannot understand and, and uncover and discover who it is you were created to be without understanding the one who created you. Um, but by the same token, you know, we're not affiliated with any church. And so it's not about the religious aspect of faith, but rather to kind of draw on just the power of understanding who you've been created to be and live that out in the world. And so Uprint is what we kind of do. That's our organization. And it gets broken down into many, many facets. We have a speaking arm where we do workshops, uh, interviews, keynotes, all the above. Uh, We have a content distribution system, which is really the coolest part, in my opinion, of what we do. And that's using technology to meet people between Sundays. And so we've got a growing community of people who get um, kind of customized content based on where they are in their faith walk and their personal development, their life walk. And it's just about helping them navigate those days between Sundays. And then we have a one-to-one mentoring kind of executive coaching arm as well. So lots of cool stuff going on there. Um, But the funny thing is, I was an insurance agent before all of this. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it's like, you know, completely different than anything I've ever done um, in my life. And so I guess we can dive into a bit of that story if you choose to. But that's a little bit about who we are, what we do. That's awesome. And so I know that you you mentioned all the different streams that your business have, streams of income that kind of go into Uprint or even the different ways that you reach your audience. For a lot of people listening, they're just starting their businesses, just starting their speaking careers. They would love to get to the point where they're able to push out content, maybe even have a business partner and then make speaking just one of the avenues in which they impact their audience. But when you first started that, how did you kind of get that business off the ground and even find a partner to do that with? 
Yeah, it's um, totally God. And and I don't mean to be trite or flippant when I yeah. say that, you know, you, you know me well enough to know that faith is just who I am. It's, it's mm-hmm. a part of me. And so I don't, I don't mean to impose that upon anybody, but one of the things we teach at Uprint is powerful. And that is God is the how, you know, if you look back at kind of God's story, you look in the Bible and you see Moses or David, it's like, well, how did Moses part the Red Sea? Uh, God did it, you know? And so I don't mean to be just like flipping and saying that that's how, but we literally believe that God created you for a purpose. And so it's his goal to help you achieve that thing, which he created you to be and step it out. And that's when, if you begin to step into that, you will see miraculous things happen. And my life is living proof. I mean, you know, for goodness sakes, I was an insurance agent. Um, but, but, but here, let me back up 10 years ago. I was dead broke. I had half a million dollars in debt and I was living in my parents' room over the garage, which as I said, is it's cool when you're in high school and you move into the room right. over the garage, right, <laughs> when right. you're like 25, 26 with your wife, you know, it's not, it's not so good, but that's where I was. And, and I had made some terrible decisions in the real estate business. Um, and, and God, prepared a season uh, in the insurance industry to, to provide, to help kind of get me beyond that. But in the process was showing me who I was. Mm-hmm. You see, you talk about speaking, speaking is my thing, period, right. end of story. Like, and right. you're so kind to, to say, you know, what you said about being a storyteller, but that's something that's always been there. Right. Like right. ever since I was 12, yeah. you know what I mean? It's exactly. like, you, here goes Matt. He's talking again. You know, it's just like, you know, I'm standing <laughs> yeah, up and, I'm, you know, it's like, I, I've always been fascinated with like, uh, you know, um, impressions and um, just comedy and mm-hmm. you know, everything. Right. And so from, from an early age, I was just fascinated with people who were kind of living out their genius in front of others as a way to encourage them. Right. And the first opportunity I was given to speak was actually after a mission trip I had gone on to Bimini in the Bahamas. I'd gone on a mission trip to a small Bohemian island to lead a vacation Bible school for a bunch of Bohemian kids. And, excuse me. That was like, whoa, holy cow. Like I... I never knew that like this fate thing existed beyond my little white Christian bubble and mm-hmm. this house, you know what I mean? And, and that was a marker for me. So when I stood up on stage and I told my story, everybody afterward was like, dude, you've got to be a preacher, right? That was the right. common thing. <laughs> and I was like, I ain't no preacher. You don't know me well enough. Right. <laughs> and, but, but it's just beautiful how, how God continued to unfold that. I was asked to speak. I had a very tragic uh, moment when I was a freshman in college. My grandfather, whom I loved dearly, um, committed suicide mm. during a battle with lung cancer. And he was my rock, Ashley. I mean, he was my rock. This man was just incredible. And yet he was in so much pain and so distraught on medication. And he committed suicide. And my grandmother, I'll never forget it. My grandmother asked me, she said, will you speak at Paul Paul's funeral? Mm. And I was like, I, I don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know if I have strength. Like I love this man. Right. And stand up. And but I just I remember vividly seeing what I wanted to say unfold on paper. Hmm. And then I realized not only did I have an emerging gift to communicate, but I had a gift to understand how to create content and tell stories that invite people's attention and include them in part uh, as a part of what's actually unfolding. Right. And, you know, so many um, speakers, storytellers, the, the challenge is not speaking at someone. Right. Or to someone. It, it's really walking with someone through a journey, creating an environment of experience and adventure that they can be a part of. And so that's. So you bring ahead. up a really good point there because I think a lot of people would see an exceptional speaker and think that they just get up there and speak. And that's not the case. It sounds like you at least have some form of a process to kind of help you to best convey a story that you may know innately, but that you have to convey. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you um, 
prepare to do your engagements and how you prepare to best convey a story in a way that will make sure the audience really is walking with you and not just feeling like they're your audience and you're talking at them. Yeah. yeah. So let me back up real quick because I I got off tangent and I want to answer your question. You asked me how I got into speaking Mm -hmm. and and I was talking about my grandfather's funeral. Um, That happened four times. I was asked to speak at four different family members' funerals. And after every single funeral, everyone came and said, you have to be a speaker. But I never thought I had a story to tell. And so my challenge and my encouragement to to those that are listening is you have to do the thing that burns within your heart. You have to go after it, Mm -hmm. no matter what people say. But the thing is, is you can't force it. You have to be prepared for it. And so for me, this has been a journey now of 20 years since I gave that initial talk of now being able to stand up in front of corporate clients or you know workshops, or I interviewed the CEO of a multi-million dollar publicly traded company a, few, uh, a year ago, mm-hmm. and just all these different things. But so my point is, is that focus on where you are right now and, mm-hmm. and being the best you that you can be and, and, and take those faithful steps. And that's what actually unfolds the process of you being able to grow into exactly who we are called to be. So, so I just wanted to answer that question first. Um, I hope that makes sense. That does. That definitely makes sense. Um, so as far as preparation, yeah, I'm a weirdo in that I draw everything. Hmm. I see my talks as pictures. Wow. And yeah, it's, if, if folks follow me on Instagram or, you know, wherever else they see, cause I share these kind of mind maps. I do not make bullet points. I, I don't make point A, point B, point C. I have a very specific process of actually seeing visually um, my talk and then actually expressing it in a very natural way. Because I think a mistake that a lot of speakers make is their talks are so, mm, I don't want to be ugly, but they're canned. Mm-hmm. Because they've they've mapped out the talk, they've written it out, and it's very methodical. I'm not a big fan of that type of speaking. Now, if you're giving a lecture, um, if you're you know in the academic world and you need to have more of a kind of A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. But for me and my personality, it's more story driven. So it needs to be uh, kind of organic in the moment. I never carry any notes on stage with me. I've never done that. I don't use PowerPoint. It's just, it has to come out of your heart. And and for it to come out of your heart, that means it's got to go into your heart. And that's where I draw and mind map and I feel it. So you have to feel it before you can let someone else feel it. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I do. I also agree with not taking notes on stage. I know for some people, they, uh, they it depends. I know that different people have to do whatever it takes. And some people aren't innately able to not have notes. But for me, uh, I agree totally. And um, in high school, I used to do impromptuaneous speaking. So we would have a minute to write like a seven minute speech. And so I was kind of always the person who didn't need uh, the notes because of that training. But I do think that that's true that you have to feel it in order for the audience to feel it. And, and it's, it's really just a transference of emotion, you know, and, and so that means that you have to get emotional. Now, one of the things I, I do is ahead of time, I actually will give the talk. And, and again, I told you I'm a weirdo. I will literally stand in my room. I will close my eyes and I will visualize the audience and I will put myself in that room. You know, this is something that, that we teach not only when, when I'm helping walk with folks as, as becoming a better speaker, but any, anyone in their life. You have to visualize where you believe you are going. And I you guess. have to see that place as if it's already happened. And this is, this is a biblical thing. And this is where we bring in the faith side of it is, you know, David, David, King David, when he was fighting Goliath, if you read that story, before he killed the giant, he said, the Lord delivered me from the bear and the lion. He will deliver me from the Philistine." Yeah, You know, Moses said, these Egyptians you see, you will see no more. That They had the faith to see ahead of the obstacle, to see victory on the other side. So that means that we 
when we are uh, pursuing our, our genius, specifically somebody who's speaking, you have to go to that stage. You have to feel that audience. You have to see yourself in that room. And that way, when you get there, it's just a natural um, expression of who you are instead of you know being caught off guard by, oh, I didn't expect that, or I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed by the pressure of the room. Yes, I agree. I also think you shouldn't start talking until you're ready. So I am not scared to stand there until I'm ready to talk. And that was something that I really had to implement as a jury trial um, attorney, because the jury is used to falling asleep when attorneys speak. (laughs) I don't know if people know this, but it doesn't matter if it's a billion dollar case or a murder trial. There are jurors that are asleep all around the world right now listening to, to lawyers speak in the courtroom. And sometimes that silence right before you speak, it'll calm you and it'll also gain the attention of the people that you're speaking to. So for those of you um, who are listening, who are like, oh my God, I could never draw pictures and then get up and tell stories or not have notes. One thing that I want to point out that um, that was said is like, start where you are, exactly. you know, and then visualize yourself going to another level and have that faith to believe in who you are. And because a lot of the speakers who listen are at the very, very beginning of their speaking journey, Um, What would you say to the person who doesn't know what they're going to speak about? Is that a function of not knowing kind of why you're placed here? Or is that a function of them just needing to explore and do more? Did you always know the direction that you would go in in terms of your speaking career and your speaking journey? Or did you develop that over time? You know, I think it develops in time. And and I believe that you you have an idea of what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But it, but it will continue to evolve. And so I think one of the greatest pieces of advice is, is just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the process. Yeah. Enjoy the, the, the become who you were created to be. And that means let your message become what it was created to be. And this is what I will say, too. Here, here's another thing is that you have to live what you speak. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people who are really willing to get up on stage and, you know, talk about something, but actually living that out is what gives you the credibility and therefore the confidence to stand up and look at someone and, and speak from your heart. Because if it's kind of a, yeah, I'll tell you, you get into an environment when someone hires you to do a keynote and you're, you're trying to get up there and you end up kind of falling into the trap of telling platitudes or generalities or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, man, you can see it. You can see it <laughs> as clear as day when you're like, that person has never lived that mm-hmm. versus somebody blood and guts who's lived it. So I guess be more, be more interested in actually living the stories that you want to tell than being a storyteller. And that means you need to get busy with living the stories in your life. And, you know, I fell into a trap uh, a few months back and this has been a while now, but I mean, in the transition out of insurance into you print, you know, the, the calendar was not full. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in my room over the garage just writing speeches. I mean, I just had like all of these different topics and content ideas. And if you looked at my wall right now, I mean, I literally, I get the giant post-it note mm-hmm. thing, and I have all these little uh, Sharpie pens and my room looks like a four-year-old's coloring desk. I mean, I've got a <laughs> wall full of pictures, but everyone is a talk. Everyone. And so my point is, is that... You have to know when there's seasons of preparation to create content. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you got to get out of your room over the garage and go live that stuff too. So I don't need to just sit up here and, and write speeches. I, I need to be out there having conversations with people. So it's a beautiful dynamic of both. That's a great, that, that is a great lead in to my next question, which is there are a lot of people who have the content, they have speeches, but they can't get clients. Their calendar isn't even starting to begin to get full. So I, I personally have felt that at least in the college speaking world, there's about a year ramp up period before I'm getting 45, 50 gigs a year. And I think that a lot of people mistakenly believe that if you decide to be a speaker on Monday, that you will have a full calendar by Friday. And there really just is, I mean, they're booking out, at least colleges are booking out a year in advance. Corporations, I found it's a a shorter lead in time. I'll get a call to go speak next month at Accenture. And that's not uncommon. But for colleges, no, they are booking years in advance. And so where, what do you say to the person who's like, I'd love to speak, but I have no clue where to start finding engagements. What is the low hanging fruit that you found when you first, first, first started to get your foot out there and get your story out there? 
I think uh, I think two, twofold here. Number one is you have to very clearly define who you are and what it is you do, and you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, I have in the past taken speaking opportunities. One of them stands out in my mind. It was um, two thousand twelve year olds. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Not my cup of tea. It was so <laughs> challenging. It forced me to be really good to hold attention. Yeah. But at the same time afterward, I found myself going, okay, I can do that for the purpose of challenging myself and getting better, but I don't need to do that from the standpoint of that's not my niche. Right. So I think the first thing I wanted to just kind of be clear on is find your niche and stick with your niche and live in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then secondarily, you know, just be available. I see so many people that they struggle with being available, meaning go wherever, do whatever, like let your ego and your pride go. You should give, you should give 20 or 30 free talks before you ever think about charging somebody for them. In, yeah. in, in, in my, in my opinion. Now, if somebody says, my mind, I was going to ask you that question because a lot of people who even do what you do, executive coaching will say, never give a free talk, never do anything for free. So that's a really, really, really good point. I want everyone to pay attention to. <laughs> yes. I totally agree with that. I don't even know how you're good at speaking without doing. Yeah. Th- this whole thing out there, listen, I get real fired up. You don't want to get me down that path. I get real <laughs> fired up with half the stuff we read online. It's just stupid. I'm going to say yeah. it out loud and say it. It's not, I mean, yes. Okay. You don't have to be a doormat. Right. Like one of the things that Kevin taught me, my business partner taught me, he said, Jesus was never a doormat. He was a welcome sign. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. Because a doormat says, well, I'll just speak for free and I don't want to charge you and I'll just do it, you know, but yeah. a welcome side says, hey, man, I am here yeah. and I am, I am available and I am willing. And if they ask what your fee is, then you can tell them. But don't get this idea that you can go charge a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. I'm listen, listen, the world is changing when it comes to speakers and it's changing very rapidly. Yeah. I have a good friend of mine who's who's initially kind of a speaking mentor of mine, a guy named Tom Morris. And Tom was a corporate speaker, multiple speakers bureaus. This guy was from like 98, 96 to like 2006, like the dude. Okay. I mean, getting paid like, you know, significant five figures for talks and spoke to everybody from like Merrill Lynch to Apple to Coca-Cola to, you know, Microsoft. I mean, he was all over and, and he lives in Wilmington. And we've, we've had conversations just about how the climate has changed. It's changed so much. Mm-hmm. Corporations are not really willing to pay that, those kinds of fees unless someone is of, of a famous status. Right. Like, um, you know, we're talking the twenty, thirty thousand dollar range, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, and and up, I mean, now they're, they're willing to pay those kinds of rates for like workshops and ongoing kind of like, uh, consulting. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the the day of those kinds of fees, you know, unless you are John Maxwell, right. Or something like that, it is just not happening. So you need to be okay with the idea of getting a thousand, 1500 up to 5,000, maybe $7,000 and being okay with that. I mean, as a realistic goal to shoot, you know, and so your point, you have to, you have to live what you say. So what I find is that corporations are, they care more about your credentials. So what have you done? So I was an employment discrimination lawyer. So when I go speak to HR professionals, my angle is that it's not like I'm a phenomenal speaker. It's like, I helped all these companies get out of trouble with these issues. And it's, it's not so much the motivational lane, like, Oh, let me tell you my story. They really want to see what can you, what value can you bring? Yeah. And, and I think you have to be very clear in that. That's one of the things, you know, mentioning the TEDx event in McHenry. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I found myself afterward almost, mm, I don't want to say second guessing because I think I've grown beyond, you know, being, but, but I think the point was, is that TED, TED events in general have a very academic type approach. They do. Yep. And they're very academic. So they're very much like, here are the statistics and this is what we see and here's how we overcome them. Well, I get up there and I'm talking about my aunt and I'm talking about stories and I, it was no academic at all. Mm-hmm. And so I walked off that stage and I felt like, you know what? I was like, man, was that academic enough? But then, but then here's where I'm getting to my point. Be yourself. 
Right. Don't try to go be an academic, you know what I mean, speaker. If you're, you know what I mean, they just don't do it. Yeah. You're, you're trying to meet the expectations of, of an audience or trying to, you know, just put food on the table. I'm not saying don't go do work. I'm just saying like, do not sacrifice yourself for a paycheck ever, period, ever. Yeah. And when you're given that opportunity to stand on stage, be you. So I could make a talk more academic with more deliverable points. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? But my, my point is, is never get away from who you are. So it's important to find out who you are first. Right. And then the secondary piece is put yourself around those types of people. Right. You right. know, I remember one time, are you familiar with a guy named Andy Andrews? I'm not. Andy Andrews is an author, fantastic storyteller, great speaker. When I was a younger, you know, kind of in my uh, late teens, early 20s, Andy has a great book called The Traveler's Gift, Seven Decisions. And you can look him up anyway. um, I just, I I put myself and I watched Andy speak because I loved the way that he delivered a message. And I watched Dr. Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. and I watched, I watched great speakers and I became a sponge. And then I would actually give their talks. I would almost memorize their talks and re-give their talks Mm. with the same level of passion. And, and then when I stepped in initially, I put myself in those environments. So, you know, I remember Andy Andrews was at a Dave Ramsey conference and, um, and I had communicated with his team and so forth and, and just been involved in helping with book releases and all this kind of stuff. But I just put myself out there to be available and got to meet, you know, him and spend some time with his business manager. And they were so gracious. My point in telling that whole story is just be available to yeah. help someone else not for the expectation of getting anything, right? Just be generous. It will always come back to you. Well, that brings up a phenomenal, well, that's like a seed time and harvest principle. When you give, it will always be given back to you when you're, especially when you're giving it on good soil. But one of the things I wanted to point out to that point as well, that you brought up a little bit earlier and that I want to drive home is free doesn't mean lack of value. So just because you're not paid in cash or monetarily doesn't mean you're not getting anything out of it if you're focused on building relationships. And one of the ways that you build real relationships is you serve first. So you look for ways to serve first. So whenever I'm meeting people, that's always like the goal. Like, how can I serve first? How can I help them? How can I add value to them? And we, I think, and I, I honestly think because of the way the internet has taken over everything, a lot of people don't build face-to-face relationships or think about serving first. Everything really is pay to play when that's not really how you build relationships. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, here's an example of how that actually lives out. Uh, four years ago, possibly, I was connected with one of our fellow TEDx speakers, uh, David Rendell. Yeah. And, um, and David and I connected and he called me up one day. He goes, Matt, man, I'm in a pickle. He said, I've got a paid event over here, but I got a free event. They need me over here. I can't do it. He said, dude, it's a two hour drive for you, but do you mind covering for me? He said, I'll make it up to you at some point in time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, and it's a weeknight. I got to drive two hours and, and it wasn't quite free. It was maybe a few hundred dollars to cover travel. But I was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be excellent. I'm going to do the absolute best job I can. I'm going to connect with people as if they paid me $50,000 to be here. And I did. And what happened from that was uh, initially I sold a ton of books, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that was great. But the, the interesting piece was, is Dave said, Matt, man, they loved it. It was great. Thanks for doing that. By the way, I have another event for you. And this one's different. And at the time, it was my largest fee I'd ever received. I think it was like 3000 plus travel. And I got to fly to Boston. And it was a, a kind of a, a mortgage company and their C-level you know, executives. And I got to step in there and do a little keynote and then a workshop. And that, that was just an example of like, if you give and you are excellent, it will open doors for you. Yes. But the interesting thing is that TEDx, you know, McHenry, I was invited, not invited, but David, said, Hey, Matt, you should submit to this because I think your message really fits. The reason I was even there is because of my buddy, David Rendell. So here's a relationship that's gone on for gosh knows how many years now, four years and opportunities continue to open up. 
And David will be on the show. So he agreed a couple of weeks ago, guys. So you all will hear from him in a later episode. Oh, the freak. Um, He's awesome. Y'all love him. <laughs> but that, I mean, that is, that's such a great point. And even um, doing a TEDx talk, those talks are not paid, um, not even travel. So when people see that stage, they're often like, oh, I really would love to do that. But it's it's not, you don't do that for uh, a fee of any sort, but it is a phenomenal way to meet other speakers. And for me, oftentimes when I get to speak at events, I'm the only speaker. So I don't get to interact interact with on a day-to-day basis, other speakers at these events that I'm going to, um, especially other professional speakers. So it was wonderful to meet all of you there, which was just a really cool experience for me. And I think doing it in general is just great. Honestly, people like it. People share it. It's a good thing to do. It makes sense to do it. Um, for me, it was just a couple hours drive for you. It was a, a flight, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, we, we flew out. It was just, it was just super cool. Uh, and I think, I think uh, to that point of this idea of building your business and finding your niche and really stepping into it, it's just learn how to say yes. Yeah. And and I think that there's so much fear on, well, what if I say yes, they're not paying me, or I don't know, whatever it is. Stop it. Stop it. If you believe that, you know, God created you to do this and you believe that you're you have been called to be a speaker, that's what burns inside of you, then go. <laughs> then go. <laughs> right. You know? And it was like, what are you waiting on? Come on, let's go. Just go be awesome. Go be you. And and you'll find that that opens up so many doors. But I can't emphasize this enough. That This is um, something that came to me years ago. There's a, a music artist in the late 90s, early 2000s. You heard that song, I'll Be. His name's Edwin McCain. And anyways, played at weddings. It's, anyway, he, but Edwin McCain was one of my favorite musicians. And I played the guitar. And I remember in college sitting in my dorm room learning his music on the guitar, right? Just practice, 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 practice. Well, fast forward to when I was in real estate sales and we're having a private event. And I walk up to the event and I see a stage there with a microphone. I said, oh my gosh, we have music tonight? And they go, yeah, we have a special guest. And I'm like, well, who is it? And they go, it's Edwin McCain. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Edwin McCain, right? <laughs> well, a friend of mine went and told him and he's on stage and he goes, is Matt Ham here? And I'm freaking out at this moment. Oh, wow. So he calls me up on stage and he hands me his guitar and he says, why don't you play us a song? And I said, why don't we play one of your songs? So I knew his music and I played one of his songs while he sang it on stage. And the point of that story is the dream doesn't start on stage. Right, right. The dream oh, starts in, in the dorm room when you're learning how to form a G chord, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're learning how to play this music, and you get frustrated. And so, you know, when you see someone on stage delivering a talk, I can guarantee you that there is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and oh, yeah. experiences that has brought them to that point. But we, we resent the preparation season and we over glorify the moment on stage. And Which isn't have, the majority of it at no, all. No, you have to shift your perspective completely upside down. You really do. And I remember the first time I learned that actually conducting the jury trial was 2% of what I would do as an attorney. <laughs> when yes. I had gone to law school for three years thinking I'd be like a trial attorney in court every day. But for corporations, it's like 2% of it. And most of it is years of just writing and preparing and pitching clients and doing everything else for those that 2%. And it is glorious when you're doing it, if that's what you love. I love that aspect of it, but it is not what you do at all every day, day in and day out. So what is, what's some of the best speaking advice that you've gotten? Uh, that I've gotten? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think the greatest thing that, that, that I have learned in my speaking endeavors is the concept of humility. Mm-hmm. And you know, you never, ever, ever, ever want to tell anyone anything from this type of position of, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's so subtle, Ashley. It is so subtle because I have a, a little phrase we joke with is that you can smell arrogance. And, mm. you know, and it, it just, there's this posture of humility that I try to press into. And it comes from this place of like, listen, I am here for you. And I just want to tell you what I learned because I believe in you and I want you to be as awesome and as amazing as I think you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, I'm going to tell you how to do this and you need to listen to me because I've done it. It's more of like, Hey, listen, I'm with you. I've been there. I know it's tough, but here's what I've learned. 
And so it's not telling someone something, it's showing someone something. Mm -hmm. And when you show them something and you let them feel it, that's number one. The second is after your talk, be available to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, be available to people. You know, it, it just, it grates on my last nerve when you have these speakers that get these applauses and they got these entourages and they're so unapproachable and you know what I mean? They don't, they don't, I don't do this or I, I can't do that or whatever. And I'm not trying to judge their business models, but I'm just saying, I see so many people who are just unapproachable and inauthentic. Yeah. And so, listen, I don't care if I just talk to 100,000 people or whatnot. I'm going to try to be available to everyone that I can, or at least set up something within my organization where no one reaches out and is not dynamically cared for and appreciated yeah. as an individual. Yeah. And I think that goes back to serving. It's like, if that's your goal to impact and to serve and to help people, then you are going to look for those opportunities. Definitely. Yeah. So there are a lot of people listening who are wondering, how do you find these opportunities? You've talked about Dave, um, having relationships with other speakers and how that had helped you to land or find at least one opportunity for a paid engagement. What else do you do on the back end, like the marketing and sales side to build up the uh, sales side of Uprint? Is it all inbound now because you're so established or do you still do any outbound work? I know no. I'm always doing outbound work, but I don't no. know how it works for other people. No, I'm going to be very candid to your listeners. Like, you know, if any of this sounds cool, I promise you, it sounds a heck of a lot cooler than it actually is <laughs> because we are still figuring this thing out. I mean, <laughs> holy cow. You know, I, if it sounds like this dude's calendar's booked and he, no, heck no, no, not at all. I mean, <laughs> like right now I'm sitting looking at my day planner and it's funny, I just got off the phone with a, with a, a kind of an agency, another organization I work with. And it looks like I'm going to have three or four events coming up here one each month for the next three or four months. And I'm over there, my, my wife, I'm like, babe, we've got something on the calendar. Like this, something's coming. So I just, I always hope to keep that kind of heart when, when someone calls and an opportunity presents itself. Definitely. So I hate, like utterly despise. And I, and I mean that in the, uh, in the, <laughs> the outbound sales and marketing. It, really? It, oh my Even with an God. insurance background, I would think yes. that kind of fueled your sales desire. <laughs> I killed that guy. I literally, <laughs> that guy got run over in the street by <laughs> the ice cream truck. And yeah, I, you know, and, and it comes back to this is I was the salesman for years. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was a good salesman, but I don't want to be a salesman anymore. So yeah. I, I've had to kind of change my mentality of how I approach it. And so for me, it's less about sales and marketing and just more about being me. And, and that's why, you know, most of the time, you know, on my social media accounts and things like that, I, and it may be, and again, everybody has an opinion on this. They're probably like, well, you're not asking. You need to do a better job. You need to have this funnel. Or you need to, and I'm like, and I literally say, I love you, but no, thank you. Like, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to be so me that you either get tired of me and you run away or you're like, dude, I, I want to say, so I think to be attractive to your tribe, you okay. know, be attractive to your tribe. And so just be you so much that people, that, that your tribe goes, man, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you have to have sales set up. You have to have processes set up. You have to have contracts set up. You have to do all that kind of stuff. But to me, that's all uh, secondary stuff. So when a client comes to you, is it primarily just finding you through your website or on your social media channels? Or are you still like reaching out to two or 300 people a week? Or some one guy said that he reaches out to 2,000 people a week. That is, I don't know how you would manage all those. I mean, I couldn't with a small team of three, but is that kind of how it's happening? So you're showing up consistently on your channels, you're being you, you're building relationships, and then you're going from there. Not, not kind of an aggressive sales strategy type thing. I'm going to blow your listeners away. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> I have never made an outbound inquiry for a speaking engagement. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not lying. Okay. I, I have never made an outbound inquiry. And here's why. Because at some point in time, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's just a conflict for me to this point. Because I was the guy where everything was a number that I could figure out. And somewhere underneath that, I could take credit for getting it done. Mm, okay. Okay. I can and see that. So, so for me, I've had to say, God, you and I have the same goal. I believe that. So I'm going to have to have you show up in ways that I can't take credit for. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I make myself available to say, hey, listen, I'd love to come and share with your team. What I'm talking about is like outbound outreach and so forth. It's all driven from an initial conversation. And, you know, I was doing 20 plus events probably in 2015. And then I took some time off to build the company. And, you know, I'm probably going to push somewhere toward the neighborhood of 20 this year, uh, maybe 30. You know, so that's kind of where I am. Mm -hmm. But everything is something that I feel like God brought me. And Mm -hmm. so it helps me have a, have a heart that just says, man, this is something that I'm completely grateful for. Now to, to, to second to that point, we're getting to, to the season in our business where I think that it makes sense to step into the other side of that, which is sales and marketing outbound and and so forth. But I have not to this point felt comfortable doing it. But I think I just want to give the other side of the conversation to the listener to say that like God is good enough. He, he'll do that. Like he'll provide opportunities. Like if you are really stepping into who he's created you to be, then I believe that he is going to provide opportunities because he is Jehovah Jireh. That means he's the provider, not us. That doesn't mean I sit on my couch. It doesn't mean that I don't do work. The work I do is led by him. And that's where we're different. And that's where and so a lot of people... that's the, the you print brand as well, though. So that's, you already have a business. And so there's... For people listening, his business is you print. Speaking is just an arm of that business to get the message out. But there's another... There's a business that is behind all of this as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot going on. And I don't want to be flipping and sound like, well, I don't do anything. It's just speaking opportunities come. Right, right, right. That's just silly. You don't nobody's saying sit on your couch. Here's here's kind of one of the things that we teach and how I want to look at this is we call it the age model, A G E. And this is an identity model. A is anointing, Mm -hmm. G is gifts, and E is effort. Mm. And the world says effort first. Work your rear end off. Yeah. And and then apply your gifts, do what you love, and then you'll be blessed. But in God's economy, it says, no, friend, you are blessed. Mm -hmm. You have to live in the fullness of your gifts, and then you have to apply your effort. It's it's anointing gifts, then effort. That's the age model. That's part of our identity teaching um, at Uprint. And it's not the other way around. The world is going to say, hustle your butt off. Yeah. Do what you love, and then you'll be blessed. And God says, no, 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 you are blessed. Do what you love, what I've created you to do, apply your gifts, and then work hard. And so you're either living by one model or the other. Right. We've chose the other model. And so that's when people look at us and go, well, y'all are crazy. And we say, hey, listen, love you. Have a good day. But this is how we're going to function. And it works. Yes, and it works. And we're here to stand (laughs) on. We're proof of concept to say, like, this can literally happen this way. And here's what I'll tell you. This is why I say this. It is so much more peaceful to rest on God's reputation than your own. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise everything's like, well, I got to do it. 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 And you put so much pressure on yourself. And then by the time you get a speaking engagement, you're so grumpy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you're stressed out that you can't go be you on stage. Um, so anyway, that's just a few thoughts on it. And like I said, this is who we are. It's a little different, but you know, we're kind of proof of concept. That is really different. And I will tell you guys, I've never heard that before in my <laughs> entire life, but I love it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it also goes back to, because I don't know what the um, religious beliefs of you all are listening. I'm like, my dad's a pastor. My husband's a pastor. It, like none of this is foreign to me. Cause my dad's always like, you know, you're always working yourself to death. Like you need to relax. If you relax, you'll get everything God has for you because you'll be so at peace and blessed that you can implement his supernatural strategy. Now you, you all listening though, I want you to know that Matt also has a brand that he's built and building and results for the people that he works with. And so all of that does play together. Plus relationships. You take me as a person who really values and invests in your relationships. And so when you do that, the results of that will always be tangible. I don't think there's ever been, you know, a situation where I'm like, oh, I, I, I could throw away a relationship. No. Um, you know, I think we don't focus on that quite enough, but we should. Yeah. We should. Well, well listen, I, I, and I'm that guy. I'm glad you you brought that word relationships up because I just want to be very clear. Like you, you're right, there is a brand, but it has been built on relationships. Yeah, and that's the difference. Is I'm the guy. We're the guys. Kevin and I both. Is we chose a few years ago to literally throw out social media as a way of uh, generating business mm-hmm. from the standpoint of funnels, pay for advertising, um, you know, and, and I don't mean manipulation in a bad way, but like connecting. So to see what you can get, mm-hmm. you know, it was just authentic relationship. And so when I share something, it's really just like, Hey, I'm going to share this and 
put it out there and, and, and let it be. But everything is focused on relationship. And what I have found is that I've lost a lot of the audience. I mean, I, I had the big, you know, not big, big, but like, you know, decent size email campaign and stuff. But listen, that all comes and goes. Yeah, it does. Put so much hope in email numbers and post shares and all this kind of stuff. Listen, I've been on, um, not national television, but I, we have a radio program, you know, and I've been radio, I've done television, I've done all this kind of stuff. The number one thing that has driven results for revenue for my speaking business and our business, Uprint, is relationships, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Period. I mean, I'm talking like there are some relationships that have been worth five figures over yeah. the course of time yeah. instead of, you know, getting a, getting a social media ad to return you, you know, dollar for dollar spend or right. two for one spend or whatever for a $21 course. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So that that's how we've approached it from that different angle. I think that's great. And that's good to know. And I mean, if you aren't building relationships offline, then your online business is open to attack. It's just fragile. And I think those relationships are very, very, very important. So I all of this is phenomenal. All of this is good. And you all will hear different opinions about all of that. You know that I pitch. I pitch colleges. Colleges are I'm always talking to a college uh, in one way or another, but I do think I do think that that makes a lot of sense. And I love what you said about the age model. Do you call it the age model or? Yeah, it's our identity teaching. So that is Kevin's anointing uh, gifts and efforts. Yeah. So so Kevin Kevin, my business partner, Kevin does the majority of our content creation as an organization. That's like his genius. That's what God gave him. Um, he would prefer one to one all day and and writing in his room. I would prefer as many people as possible, you know what I mean? And, and getting out and about. And so um, we have this beautiful kind of way of working together. Our organization is Kevin's created this stuff. So what we do as an organization is build relationships, Mm -hmm. but then we'll walk with speakers, business people, entrepreneurs, individuals, whatever, through discovering and uncovering that genius, the why underneath it, and then living it out so that they can live the age model uh, very specifically. So that's kind of how we as an organization holistically walk with folks. Um, and, and I just get to be the guy who does what he loves to do, which is stand up in front of folks and, and just deliver encouragement. We have three markers in our business. And this goes back to defining who you are. It's inspiration, encouragement, and teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think people need all three. Mm-hmm. Inspiration is momentary. Encouragement yeah. is for when you get down. And teaching is, is, is a refreshed perspective on how to move differently throughout your day. Mm-hmm. So if you have just inspiration, it'll fizzle yeah. out, right? If you have just encouragement, you know what I mean? You just get, you're, you're going to slap somebody you're like, stop encouraging me. You know what I mean? Cause I, yeah. I and then you have TGF, I have all three of them. It's a three-legged stool. So anyway, that's kind of the way we approach it. But yeah, and I just want people to know like, man, I am for you. Like I am for you listening, being a speaker and I am for you stepping into this. And this is just my experience of how we've seen this thing unfold. And it's something that I believe in, but you have to find what works for you. But I can tell you this, if it is robbing you of joy, mm-hmm. it's not worth your time. Yeah. Because God, in my opinion, it, the fruit of the Spirit is uh, love, joy, peace, patience. So joy mm-hmm. is a fruit of the Spirit. If it ain't got joy in it, it ain't coming from Him. And that means that you don't need to put the stress on yourself. Right. That so many people place on themselves. Right. You know, because it robs your creativity. It right like joy is fertile soil for creativity to thrive. Right. And so when your joy's not there and it's all stress and it's all pressure and it's all hyper focus, like it ends up just robbing you of creativity. And so that that's just a kind of little sidebar, you know, for me getting on a bit of a soapbox. <laughs> no, I love that. So in closing, what books or resources would you recommend to someone just starting out their career, their speaking career or their business? I I would say, well, first of all, my, my favorite book in the world um, is The Alchemist. Um, I love The Alchemist. It's just a brilliant story. Um, and, 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 I, and so I'm a huge fan of that book, and, and especially through like the biblical lens of, of seeing that. But as far as resources and so forth, um, you know, I, I think that for a speaker specifically, find who you love listening to. Find who speaks to your spirit and, and then start picking apart why that speaks to your spirit. 
Start, start really understanding the dynamics. Cause listen, there's some people I watch that everybody loves and I'm like, dude, I can't listen to that person. You know yeah. what I mean? Or yeah. vice versa. I'll love somebody that, that somebody. So my point is, is that know what you love because that speaks to who you are. And so then become kind of a sponge around that particular, you know, person, not from the point of idolization, but just from the point of like helping you clarify, you know, who they are. But I will say this, regardless, you have to walk with somebody. Mm-hmm. This is a key point, and this is whether it's you know with us, which we do, but it, whoever it is, is you have to be in relationship with someone who's beyond where you are, yeah, so they can draw your greatness out of you. Period. And you know that's not a pitch for coaching; it's just the truth of what I've walked through in my life. Is in order to get beyond where you are, you need a perspective that's not limited to your own understanding. Yes. So you have to get beyond that if you want to ever grow beyond where you are. And so uh, be vulnerable enough to be in community with someone and, and be vulnerable enough just to, to say, listen, I don't have it figured out, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to learn. Be teachable. Be teachable. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's that part of humility is be teachable. I 100% agree with that. And where can we find you after this? And I'll make sure to link to all of your resources and some and, and the book, The Alchemist, which I think is phenomenal. Where can we find you on Instagram and what website should we go to to connect with you after this? Yeah, so our, our business is kind of the focus and that's Uprint, Y-O-U-P-R-I-N-T dot L-I-F-E. It's Uprint dot life because we encourage people to kind of live a Uprint life. And that's the life that God created you to live. Live the life of impact you were created for. And uh, you know, we're on social pretty much at Uprint Life is is the handle. Uh, me personally, you know, I get all kinds of shenanigans. Some days I'll be doing something silly and, you know, we make all kinds of videos and have fun and try to laugh a little bit. And I am um, at Matt Ham SR Senior. So M-A-T-T-H-A-M-S-R. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much. So many, so many gems. I really, really appreciate your time. And I'm sure the Speak Your Way to Cash community does as well. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be sure to link to all of your websites. Absolutely, Ashley. Listen, thanks for being such an encouragement. Of course. Thank you. Have a good one. Awesome. Bye-bye. Wow. Okay. So you heard from Matt exactly how he built his business and what an encouragement that was. One of the key takeaways I had was we need to build relationships, people. And I want to make something really, really clear. Uh, Matt told me, we were able to chat a little bit afterwards, and he talked about how he took some time off from building his business or took some time off from speaking to really build his business and build up that brand. And so that was really, really helpful and integral and him really getting additional engagements as well. But the Uprint brand does something phenomenal and people are reaching out to him from a variety of different facets to work with their audience and to speak to their audience. So one of the things we chatted about is you you all know in my career as a college speaker, I am always pitching (laughs) and I know the sales cycle of my audience. And so you really have to know who it is that you're trying to speak to and how you can come into those engagements. And if you have a diversity of people that you speak to, then maybe building a brand, having some faith and letting that business find you at your front door would be a phenomenal, phenomenal way to build a business. And Matt has done that and he does quite a few engagements every single year and he's phenomenal and exceptional at it. All right. So thanks for rocking with us all the way to the end of the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, I want to make some announcements. One, head over to Matt's website and check him out at uprint.life. Next, I want you to register for Speak Your Way to Cash, where we'll talk about some of those marketing and branding strategies you can use. We'll also talk about how to build your sales pipeline and how to not make that an excruciating process. (laughs) I'm not going to edit that out. How to not make that an excruciating process, because who wants that? So if you are someone who is looking to build your speaking business, then I hope you can attend Speak Your Way to Cash. I hope you can attend Speak Your Way to Cash. You will love it. We're doing it in Chicago and in Atlanta, you can head right on over to the Show.com under events to find all that information. I'll also link to it here. And if you're not in our beautiful, wonderful, powerful, super dope Facebook group for speaking or for speakers and that community, then please do join. We want to have you. We want to help you. I go live in that group every Thursday with speaking tips. So if you're like, okay, Ash, 
I'm listening to your podcast and rocking and rolling with you here, but I'm ready to have more and actually see your pretty face, then come on over to our Facebook group, join me live on Thursdays, and get some of those details that you've been missing in your speaking business. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast.